We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Pod Maverick. Today, I am uh, joined by my internet friend. This is the first time I've actually had the pleasure of speaking with him. Rafael Barlow, who is the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com and currently the director of scouting of one of the more fun, and I cannot recommend it enough, uh, websites, NBABigBoard.com. And he is also the host of Locked On NBA Big Board. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's a busy time of year, but it's my favorite time of year, but I'm doing well. I am really grateful you joined us today. So you, you've been doing a lot of work all year round, and then this is the time of year where all of a sudden you don't have any time. So making time for us is is something I'm particularly grateful for. So I first kind of came across your work probably two years ago. And the problem with being a Dallas Mavericks fan is I feel like they don't care about the draft the way I do. (laughs) And it never had the chance to really bring you on. And then last August, you wrote a piece that I have had saved in my favorites for over a year. Up on NBA Big Board, you wrote a, a, a piece called New Mecca for Elite Basketball Prospects. Mm-hmm. It was about the Dallas Mavericks area, or I'm sorry, the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area. And, you know, I grew up here, moved away for a real long time. Uh, when I played basketball in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were some pretty incredible prospects like Chris Bosh, Bracey Wright, Darren Williams, uh, then the horrifying Jason Maxiel, who looked exactly how he did with the Detroit Pistons, but as a 17-year-old. Um, and then I, you know, I moved out of the area and I kind of fell out of touch. And when I moved back in the area two and a half years ago, I sort of made it a mission to get, I just really like high school basketball games. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, they're they're delightfully short. Like I can yeah. take my little, 
I can take my little boy and we can be, we can be out there for, you know, an hour and 15 minutes and then be back on, be back on the road. And I've been just blown. And I didn't really understand until I read your piece, the sheer volume of, of NBA level talent that is coming from this area. So, you know, I've read the piece obviously, but I wanted to talk, you know, with almost a year in hindsight, what in the world is going on in this area to where it's such a boon for, for incredible high school players? I wish I knew. I, I wish I knew I'd sell it and duplicate it in other cities and make a lot of money. But it's just an incredible amount of talent. And and, and part of the piece that, that I wrote about was I didn't realize it. So in 2015, I'm just a struggling videographer, a friend of mine. Uh, named Matt Steffi had a team called the D1 Shooters. And this is way before everybody was having videographers covering mm-hmm. different events. And so I'm covering it to make a few extra bucks. And he's like, I got this team of really good kids and then we're, we're competing on the national level. He's like, these guys are going to be great. I'm telling you, they're going to be great. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm like nine, you know, like, okay. Kaysen Wallace was on that team. And then just going back and, and, and looking at the footage, it's like, oh, or there's Keontae George. There's, you know, all they these- were. They were how old? Tell us again. Did you say uh, nine? Say, so this is, this was in 2014 and 2015. So I want to say like nine years old. Oh my god, that's incredible. So yeah, and and so I was reading through this list, and so for full disclosure, I think I told you this, but if I didn't, I played I played my basketball at Coppell High School. And when I was a uh, when I was a senior, we had this this foreign transfer kid who ended up being named Marcelo Huertas. Yeah, I he was like five is. eight. He uh-huh. and though so then he goes back home and grows six inches and is in you know he ended up being in the Lakers for a while. And so I've always kind of kept an eye out. And so I started watching Anthony Black just because he stood out from a crowd. I mean, even as like an eighth grader, he was kind of incredible to watch. But then I just you know, sort of happened to fall. But I didn't understand, and I still kind of don't, uh, really don't understand, like how these prospects get labeled early. Because I don't, you know, when you watch these basketball players, some of these kids are so skilled. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, it seems really difficult to project like growth and skill development and that sort of thing. But I sort of fell into watching him, and then from there, it sort of spiders out for me where it's all these different. I mean, there are so many different guys just in this year's draft class. I didn't realize where I moved here, like Tyrese Maxey was, was right up the road. Yep. I am angry with myself that I did not watch case and Wallace two years ago. Um, yeah. now that I know that, and then it's like going into next year. Um, there is God, who's the, who's the young man that plays at, uh, Highlands. Trey um, Johnson. He's oh, phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. And it's just, it's, it's really something else. And, so, you know, just to kind of talk about just the, these area picks, like some of the ones around here, uh, who is, is, I mean, I know it's a ranking thing, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to, to play, pick favorites. Who has been kind of your, your favorite in the, in the area to, to watch, develop, and, and kind of grow over the last few years? Oh, man. Honestly, it's Drew Timmy. Honestly, it's, it's Drew Timmy. And I knew about Drew because my brother was coaching like are you familiar with like those metro crest teams mm-hmm. <laughs> my brother was coaching like a metro crest team i don't even remember what year it was uh, it was for richardson high and he coached it during the summer he's like there's this kid is in eighth grade 
who I think is going to be really, really good named Drew Timmy. And so I went and watched, and I think he even told like some schools like SMU, he's like, got to get on this kid early. And he, he's, he's in eighth grade. And, you know, when you look at Drew, he's not going to pass the eye test. He's not playing above the rim. He, he's just so skilled and just seeing Drew like develop in high school. And, and then I want to say maybe I went to like something that he was uh, a workout that he had when he was a senior in high school and I was just filming. I don't think he remembered me. And then um, I saw him a lot last summer and just followed him throughout his entire college career, which is like a legendary college career. So Drew is kind of like my my favorite to watch just from a pure basketball standpoint, because he's he's so skilled, has such a great personality. And uh, he's a guy that I'm definitely rooting for. So if I had to choose my favorite, it would will, it will be Drew. But then it's just kind of hard to pick sure. you guys that I've seen throughout the years. And I really like Trey Johnson. Like, I really, really like Trey Johnson. I had a chance to watch him play pickup with some uh, some guys that were doing some pre-draft stuff. And if, if I didn't know, you know, like the names, I just came in there blind. I would have left saying, like, uh, he's the best player. I, I, I understand why the UIL did what it did. But I, I think we should demand the fact that we did not get to see Duncanville Lake Highlands in any sort of playoff setting. And I can't I can't because they're both six A is just strikes me as criminal because like watching Ron Holland play basketball, that man looks like one of the most competitive people alive. Like yeah. I, I cannot wait for him to get into a scuffle next year with like a 25 year old journeyman G leaguer. Cause he's just going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. And it's, it's just, the just the town around here is, is, is really, really quite something. So of the, the, like the lottery guys, you know, we got just off the top of my head and this case and Wallace, Anthony, the aforementioned Anthony black, Jordan Wallace, Keontae George. Uh, I had my list and I deleted it earlier. Oh, my, my Mike Miles. I know he's not lottery, but I really like watching that guy play. Jalen um, Wilson, Marcus Sasser. <laughs> so, so, so best case ahead. scenario there. Best case scenario, I think it's either seven or eight guys that could be drafted. That's 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 beyond nuts for a 60, yeah. 60 person draft out of kind of like a small. I mean, it's a big regional area, but it's. It's just it's it's really crazy. Who of these guys do you sort of think has the highest ceiling for NBA stuff? Because obviously I'm partial to a couple people. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's tough. I mean, I mean on one hand it's Keontae George who who I mean was really good early on when he was like a, a freshman at Louisville. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Kaysen, you can look at him, and, and then you look at Kentucky guards, and they normally outperform when they're selected. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we saw that with a Dallas area kid and Tyrese Maxey, who went like number 18. So, Kaysen could end up being a whole lot better than what he showcased at Kentucky. So, he could end up being really good. I mean, Kentucky guards usually, you know, they, they end up being pretty good from Jamal Murray to Tyler Hero to. I feel like they're underutilized. Yeah, it's like they they buy into a system. Mm-hmm. But then Anthony Black is like a six, seven point guard. And if he puts it together as far as just working on the shot, then I mean he could end up being really special. Um Jordan Walsh is uh, I mean, he gets the label as like this really good defender, but just going back to watching him in high school, 
he he does have some offensive game that he didn't really show at Arkansas. I mean, that team was loaded with, with right. Anthony Black and Nick Smith and and uh, Ricky Council. Then they had um, Trevon <laughs> Brazil. So I mean, they had like I mean, I think on that Arkansas team, there's going to be five guys on that team that play in the NBA. And Jordan kind of accepted a role as like this mm-hmm. switchy defender. So I mean, he could end up being really. I mean, it's just a lot of guys. And Marcus Sasser, a lot of people kind of forget about him, but he was, you know, the, the leading scorer on a team that was one of the best teams in the country all year. And it's just a lot of talent. So understanding that, are there any particular, you know, let's sort of think about this in terms of what you're hearing in draft boards and what you're kind of projecting paired with, you know, your, your, your skill assessment. Do you think that there are any fits right now with these guys in particular NBA teams that you like a lot that, that you think would be like great situations for certain guys? Yeah. If I could just handpick ideal mm-hmm. situation, I would say Anthony black to Utah is one mm-hmm. I like. Casey Wallace in the backcourt with um, Bradley Bill and in DC would be something mm-hmm. I think would be fun. Um, of course, you know I, I wouldn't mind seeing like Keontae and Casey in Dallas with the tenth pick. Some some guys that can just come in and kind of develop under Kyrie and, and Luca a little bit, and then you know whatever happens with that situation be there. I mean, I think having like a Casey Wallace. Jaden Hardy, like off your bench, gives you some, mm. you know, some some dynamite offense and defense. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing like Keontae George in Toronto. Oh, that'd be a fun one. I think that would be a pretty good fit. Marcus Sasser. Um, I'm not a Lakers fan by any means, <laughs> but I think Marcus Sasser in LA, just because he's not necessarily like a primary point guard, but I think he can be like an off the bench score that, you know, you put him on the floor with like LeBron and, and some other guys he can defend and knock down open shots. Oh man. Let, let's see. You know, I, Drew Timmy in, in Denver. Oh my God. That wouldn't be right. Uh, that would be amazing, but it all like, that's just a fit. That's yeah. a really good one. Damn. Yep. So, um, Mike Miles, I, mean, I like Mike a lot. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of what would be a good fit for Mike. Um, I can't think of a really good one off the top of my head, but sure. But I like no, Mike it's, a lot. It's tough because you know, as I, I brought you on specifically because I wanted to talk about local guys, and I already see like people in the chat that have asked me, like, let's talk Mavs stuff, and I don't want to yet, guys. I talk Mavs all the time. I yelled about the stupid LeBron thing for an hour last night. I don't want to think about the Mavs just yet. One of the things that I do sort of feel for it's like because there's that many local guys, I've often wondered about like the pressure of being drafted to your, you know, hometown of a sort. I remember like when I remember Chris Bosch not being a Mavs fan, like offended me to my core because we were the same age. But he was like, I don't, he's like, I, you know, Dirk's only five or six years older than us. And he's a, he, he talked, a lot of these guys talked about how like coming back to your hometown is just a lot of stuff going on. It's like when you yeah. go, you know, be an NBA player, like that's your job. And so you yeah. need like there's something to be said about being away from everything and in a new environment. So it's so it was much as 
I have been wish casting Anthony Black to the Mavericks at 10th, which is not going to happen. Um, I just it also was thinking about it today. I was like, man, that just be, be really tough for, for one of these guys. Um, yeah. I think Kaysen could handle it. I mean, he has like the smallest entourage ever. Mm. Like, no, there's no entourage. Really small, tight knit family. Um, he's really quiet, not really. A guy that not saying the other guys sure. would be like that, but I think if there is a player that I think could handle it the best, it'll, it'll be Casey. Sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, guys, what I want you to do right now is I want you to head over to, where is it here? I had it pulled up. I need you to head over to um, NBA Big Board and give them a sub. They both do paid and free subscriptions. It's fantastic. Really detailed work from guys that very much care about what they're doing. And, you know, it's I love draft stuff and it's going to kill me to the end because I don't think the Mavericks will care about the draft, despite the fact that they've actually been like pretty okay when they decide it's a thing um, till the end of time. It's a new front office, though. So I feel like it's easy to lump them in with the old front office there. Well, it's mostly Mr. Cuban, who I think um, we did a over at Maz Moneyball. We did an article his first year as owner, the 2000 draft. They leveraged so much capital to get five players and the best one out of the whole lot ended up being Eddie Nahara, who was drafted like 47th or something. So it's, I just, I have this conspiracy theory that Cuban 
would never want like he just sort of at that point he's like I, I just I can't like the, it's too much of a crapshoot though I think with what we have now it's just sort of a different situation um I also want you guys to head over to uh YouTube and that at locked on NBA big board they do you guys have to operate daily don't you as I was looking at this earlier today yeah man five days a week gotta tonight and then i'm i'm i edit so it's like i record edit yes yeah, five days a week so if you like draft content you can get at least seven or eight forms of draft content from me that's fantastic yeah. well, where where else can we find you because i want these guys to to and particularly those of you who are listening on the podcast later we're recording on video right now on tuesday june 6th but you know this this draft stuff goes on all year round years in advance like there is so much work to do i can't even it kind of gives me anxiety thinking about the sheer amount of of work you guys have to put in because <laughs> there's so many good basketball players yeah so where where else can we find some of your stuff yeah i'm on barlow 500 at twitter absolutely then, um, i have a site nba draft junkies which is kind of like my my introduction into the draft world it's still active but I'm using it as a platform for other guys that you know want to get some content out and get a platform. So I'm using it for for them so they can post their articles. That's 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 good. It's, I was reading some of some of the posts today. It's it's good stuff. I love, um, I just love how in depth people will get with this. When I go, I go to summer league every year, even though I don't know what I'm watching. And I love meeting up with people who are just so like who know most of the back ends of rosters because they've been following this stuff for years. It's just it's it's a lot. Of, it can be a lot of fun. It, it reminds me of my friends who are really into like minor league baseball, just because there's always guys you never really know who's going to pop. Look yep. at Nikola, look at Nikola Jokic, who was uh, you know forty some odd pick, forty first pick in the draft, um, and here he is. Um, like I said, we're at about little bit past 15 minutes i didn't want to keep you must patch a half hour so i have to i have to ask now because i had fought off the mavs content for a while our uh our followers and i got two messages today about this asked me so you you are seems like you like Derek lively to dallas it did yeah. could, yeah. could you walk us through this because i am terrified of a off a little played big man not because i think i have any opinions about him it's just being a big man in the NBA strikes me as being a, more defensive responsibility as a guard, and that just worries me with kid. Yeah, I like Lively simply because he fills major needs, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily think with the tenth pick you should be drafting for need. But my counter to that is, how often do you have the tenth pick and you have your franchise star sure. already? Right. So, um, I think for, for Dallas, it's about finding complementary pieces. And I already mm -hmm. see someone in the comments saying, God, no, not like that. <laughs> um, first of all, Dallas was like last in the NBA in rebounds. Mm -hmm. Luca's their best rebounder. And that, yeah, that, that takes a toll over 80 games. Kyrie averaged more rebounds than Dwight Powell. He's starting yeah. to average four God, rebounds per that. game. There's not much rim protection. Mm -hmm. And Lively provides that. I think that Lively is would have the easiest path to success out of all the guys that are in the lottery in a sense, because he doesn't have to be the guy he's not, he's not going to, you know, be expected to, to do much other than run the floor, block shots, rebound, catch lobs. And I do think that he is a, I think he has, a really good opportunity to be a good floor spacer. 
and I saw the flashes when he was in high school that, that I thought he had good touch. And then the numbers don't really indicate it at Duke. I think he's okay. like 13. But when I was at the Combine, I was there, and, um, you know, we got podcasts every night <laughs> locked on NBA. So I was using the, the Wi-Fi in the media area because, you know, this, I was filming the podcast on my camera. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, HD takes a long time to upload. So I would be in the arena late, and I'd look over, and I, I, I saw, like, there was a group that was coming in at 11 o'clock every night, and it was the mm-hmm. Clutch Guys. And Lively was just knocking down threes. I mean, effortlessly knocking down threes. So I, first day I was like, uh, second day I was like, okay. And that's after the third day, I was like, okay, I'm gonna tweet this out. I tweeted out that Derek Lively is draining corner threes or something mm-hmm. like that. I saw that. And I, I didn't see like the comments, but I guess there's like some back end comments calling me like a, a clutch puppet and saying Wow planet by love clutch. that. That's how you know you've made it when people accuse <laughs> you of things. Well, it's it's crazy because I'm just like, I'm working, but I look over and I guess some people were saying that they thought it was like strategic that Clutch had me post that. But it wasn't until like they they had a pro day and there was a video of him making 14 threes in a row that people thought that that they realized like I wasn't lying. And I do think that he has upside as a pick and pop guy. One of the things I really like about Lively, despite the fact that he only averaged like three points per game and... When you watch Duke, he wasn't like rolling to the rim. It was like he knew he wasn't getting the ball. He still brought maximum defensive effort. I think there was a game against North Carolina where he had like eight blocks. He didn't score a lot of points, but he totally dominated the game and just killed North Carolina's offense. Now, North Carolina wasn't good this year, but that's a rivalry game where the records just don't matter. Right. And so my thought process behind that is, all right, if he's giving maximum effort. Now, this, this guy was the number one recruit by some – publications he's not getting the ball at duke he's not getting touches he's getting maximum effort on the defensive end he's anchoring this duke defense now what would happen if he was rewarded on offense sure what happens if he had a guy like luca that is going to find him rolling to the rim or reward him when he gets the block and he sprints the floor with an alley i'm like you may even get better defense i mean i'm back in the day what's the what's the saying if you want your big to compete on defense get him a few touches reward him and so i look at live as a guy that his gravity as a rim roller and vertical lob threat will keep the defense honest and will give some of dallas's shooters open looks. so his mm-hmm. his what he does on offense may not necessarily show on like his accounting stats but i think the threat of a 7-1 athletic vertical lob thread with long arms can help Dallas shooters. And I think if he ends up being Walker Kessler, like everybody talks, oh, Walker Kessler is great, but I guarantee you none of those people have Walker Kessler. Absolutely either. not. No. I mean, we, <laughs> well, my, my, my good friend Mavs draft was like, I don't know if this dude's an NBA player. And like half our, I remember this last year where Mavericks didn't have, they, they traded the pick beforehand, but he was kind of in that back end area where, uh, of the first round where, We'd all sort of hoped, okay, maybe you can get a big guy like this. But it, it feels I, – I, this is an interesting argument because I feel that both big men are sort of sometimes can be overvalued and undervalued because of, like, what the role would be for a certain team. And what you're describing with Luca is a pretty straightforward role. I worry less about the offense and more about the defense because the Mavericks are just – I don't know. I guess that's probably an argument for him because the Mavericks were just so bad on defense. It's not like a rookie's going to make them worse. Uh, I mean, the last time they had like a young man starting at center was uh, our guy Sarge 
back in like 2014. He was um, young. <laughs> no, he was he was like 30. Um, yeah. This is, I mean, I could I could be sold by it, but he also seems like a guy that that has a pretty wide variance of where he might go. Um, do, you know, just to run sort of a theory by you, I've sort of wondered. You know, it seems like the Mavericks are. Thank goodness they haven't made up their mind about anything, at least according to reports, which makes me feel sane. But I, I sort of feel that in the you know the top ten to twelve, there's a, like a set eight nine guys maybe. But I also wonder if there are any like are there any late risers you see projecting up? Um, I don't I don't want to butcher the man's name, but uh, Victor Wembanyama's teammate. Yeah, like what some of these late do you do you really think that there's a chance at, at NBA GMs losing their mind and doing doing something weird and you know in the top you know let's just say eight to fourteen range and and picking somebody like like that's a late riser like this. Yes, yes. So I got a, a story, and I, and I got time. Uh, January, no, so yes, yeah, January 2022, I went to France, and um, I went to watch Ishmael Kamagate, a guy that I, I, I thought would be good for Dallas last year. He's a drafting stash guy. I think Denver has him stash. And so in France, they have like, it's almost like JV and varsity. You got the, the, the men's team is playing at 8 or 9 o'clock, and then the under 21 team was playing like five o'clock. So whenever I go to, to France and evaluate, I like it because I can go watch two games at, at, on the same day. So I see Bilal again, this is January, 2022. And he made a couple athletic plays and showed some flashes of, you know, maybe he has a chance to be an NBA prospect in two or three years. And I'm sitting there and Mike Schmitz is there. Um, who was with Draft Express at the time, but now the assistant GM with the Blazers. And we were scrambling trying to find his name. And we ended up finding <laughs> his name on like, uh, like I don't know if it was Eurobasket, but one of the sites that, that has all the information. But we didn't have much information. All we, all we got was the name and the year he was born. So, okay, cool. We went to dinner, kind of talked about it a little bit. Then I went earlier last, well, I guess last last earlier this season. So it's September and I went to go watch Victor. And again, I went to like the JV game in a sense. And Bilal's a totally different player. He's, I mean, he's blocking shots, he's rebounding, he's making passes. But again, I'm thinking, okay, this is a name to watch out for. 2024 draft. I bumped him up from 2025 to 2024. Two days later, I went to Vegas for the Scoot Wimby showcase. Bilal Ooh. gets in. A few minutes in the first half of the first game, he looks totally lost. But again, I'm still intrigued by his athleticism. Long story short, they end up with a few injuries throughout the season, and now he's kind of forced to play. Mm. And the thing about Europe is they, there's no incentive to really play young guys. Right. Because there's no draft. It's not like, hey, you know, you're on that bad. club. Right. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get a pick. So everything is about winning. The pressure to win is. I'd even say it's more pressure to win in Europe than it is in the NBA because there is no reward. So young guys don't really get an opportunity to develop. To develop, And so with Bilal, he was kind of forced into playing. And then you could just see like his confidence grow and grow and grow to the point now where they are in the finals. They're in the French League finals. And at 18 years old, doesn't turn 19 until July, he is – you can make a case that he's their third best player. He's getting wow. on-ball reps. He's defending the other team's best player. And he has just grown tremendously. Like, I can't think of a time where I've seen a player 
grow in the same trajectory over 18 months. And that, I think that that's going to propel him into the lottery. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty big sample size to where you can look and say, all right, this is, this is real growth. This is not Justin Anderson shooting 40 something percent from three for, you know, an 18 game stretch. This is, that's really interesting. I have kept my eyes off him because I have a terrible tendency of getting attached to picks that I know won't happen. Uh, and then I get mad because the, the Mavericks are, are not much of a, a drafting team, but that's, that's really good. I'll be curious. I, I, I made the mistake. Uh, well, my wife, um, I simply said yes and wasn't paying attention. She planned a vacation on the week of the draft, so I don't get to see any of this live, which is probably good for my health, but bad for the fact that I love, love, love the draft. Um, Can I give you some insider information right here? Of course. 2013, I'm kind of new into the basketball scene, and I remember going to the field house in Frisco. Mm -hmm. And a guy comes in, and he's – with this seven foot two inch giant with arms as long as I 35 and he's working out in Dallas. And I remember someone saying like, man, this is the guy that the math should really take a look at and draft yada, yada, yada. It was Rudy Gobert. <laughs> so Rudy did his pre-draft. That's right. He worked out here. I remember this. He did his pre-draft in Dallas. Well, Rudy's agent is the same agent as Victor Wimbayama, who's based mm. in Dallas. And Bilal, it, well, depending on how their, their season ends or when it ends, they may end up having to go straight from, like, the French finals to summer league, which I don't imagine them playing. But Bilal and Wimbayama will be here in, in Dallas working out. So the last time their agent pitched a player – and. It, same agent also represented Roddy Boubois. So sure. <laughs> who was amazing and just had a you know, he's that man's had a pretty good overseas career. He just Still maybe bad. not the right team for him at the time. Yeah, and, and he's had opportunities to come back to the NBA, but it's more so like I'm not coming on like a training camp deal, give sure. me some guaranteed money. And the crazy thing about when you're coming from overseas to the NBA. It's like you can come over and sometimes a team just wants your small contract to throw into a yeah. <laughs> into a bigger trade. And now you're like, hey, I could have just stayed over there where I knew I was going to play 30 minutes. Anyway, long story short, um, I know that they tried to convince the Mavs to draft Rudy in 2013. So maybe 10 years later, they could say, hey, we were right the last time. Mm-hmm. Check our guy out at, at, at number 10. So That'd be wild. I would I, – I have – I'm just to the point where me personally, so I, I, I cover the team, but my, my co-host Josh, who is my co-editor at Mavs Moneyball, Josh is sort of sports is dead inside him because he's covered it for too long. So he's not a fan. I'm still an absolute lunatic and I watch every game like I'm screaming from the front row. Um, mm-hmm. And I tweet like that too, which gets me into trouble. But it's, I just, I, I love just love the draft because it's all possibility. It's, it's all a lot of hope. And then for, for certain things, it's, you know, I, I got put on to Luka Doncic in 20 late 2016 and just like watching how these guys can make leaps in growth and development is so fun. It's, it's particularly the ones like, like a lot of people don't remember this, but I don't think Luka had a very good left hand before the draft. And I lived Jay. over there, so I, I saw him play. Did, am I wrong? Did or did he just yeah. not have an opportunity to go to his left because he was kind of playing off ball? I mean, 
Yeah and no. When I saw him, he was like 16 or 17. And mm -hmm. it's funny because the, the the biggest leap I've seen in the 18-month span, and I'm I don't want I don't want people to say I'm comparing them, <laughs> but Bilal's leap that he made from unknown to potential lottery pick to Luca. I, I lived in Europe the 16-17 season. So that was the year before he had his breakout. Mm -hmm. And um I just remember saying, like, man, this kid is good. I, I thought he was going to be great. I thought he was going to be, like, an all-star. I didn't think he'd yeah. be, like, this. Me, too. Like, I thought he'd be but, an all-star by, like, 27, not 22. <laughs> I, was, I was a little sooner than that. But my comparison for him was, like, Joe Johnson at the mm, time. Okay. And um, and I remember, like, watching him during the season. And there was one game. And I can't find a video anywhere to the point where I'm like, was I dreaming? <laughs> The, the crowd in, in Greece, Panathinaikos, is like this crazy, crazy fan base. And I want to say they made him cry in the playoff game. Like they, I mean, they, I mean, the stuff that they'll say, I don't understand what they're saying. So people translate it to me. It's, it's, it's pretty vile. But something clicked. Like the rest of that season, like they, they went on to play in their ACB playoffs, the Spanish League. Totally different person. I went back during the summer. This is how like invested I was in Luca because all my friends are telling me, "Oh my gosh, he's too slow. He can't jump. He's not going to be." Good. I still think the Mina the Mina Kimes draft profile. I have like just a sneaky theory that the Mina Kimes draft profile, where she like wrote down that he ate all this food at a Hard Rock Cafe, is why two teams passed on him because they're like because he looked he looked terrible by the end of that year because he's yeah, over he was big. And, and what I tell people, and I only know this because I was over there, was mm -hmm. that. Like in Europe, if you are really good at a young age, you don't have an off season. You don't have a summer because you have your national team duties. It's not like here in the States where our best players say, I'm not playing for the Olympics this year. You have your national team duties because they have such pride. So Luca, by the end of that season, I mean, he had played like 10 months straight mm -hmm. because the, the ACB or the Spanish League, I mean, I want to say their season ends – in late June, then you got a small break, then you got national team stuff. They had Eurobasket that year. And I went to Eurobasket. Uh, a friend of mine had won MVP and they, and they gave him like a million airline miles to use and he couldn't use them. So I was like, hey, I want to go watch Luca play. He's like, I can't use these miles. Go ahead. So I went back to watch him play uh, that summer. So that was 2017 Eurobasket. And the confidence and swagger that he has now, it kicked in there. And I just remember the game against Latvia and Porzingis. And, you know, Porzingis was an all-star at the time. Mm -hmm. He kept calling the screen, getting Porzingis matched out on him, retreat dribble, and he just attacked him and scored every time. And that's when I knew, like, all right, Porzingis is an all-star. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like the face of this Eurobasket because he's like the big name there. And, and there's this kid that is completely – picking on him every single play. And then the next year, Sergio Uwe gets hurt. Luca wins MVP and Euro League and all that. And, and so I, I can say that I was on the Luka Doncic train early. And now I'm like that guy that like defends him all the time because, you know, in 2016 and 17, I was arguing with people all day about, you know, I, I know he looks slow, <laughs> but he's getting to where – he, he needs to be on the floor. So uh, I, he, he, you know, and, and we'll close up here shortly. Cause I told you a half hour we're longer than that, but Luca, 
Luca, what uh, somebody pointed out to me, I, I didn't really think about it this way, but the bub, the when basketball ended in March of 2020, up until the bubble in August, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the longest times in his life he's had off from basketball. I guarantee you, it was the longest, <laughs> and he looked like a basketball god in Florida that year. That was when I got the poster up here on my wall where he he stuck that you know 47 point triple double mm-hmm. over the Clippers and the you know the game winning shot even though they lost. I cannot. I I I processed the season. It's been a month and a half now since so I've seen Mavericks basketball. I cannot wait to see what he does this year. I cannot wait to see how he looks over uh, in the Philippines. That's going to be so much fun. I, I cannot wait to watch the World Cup basketball this year because that, that country's crazy about yeah. basketball. And then he's just he's probably it's he's probably itching to play. So I just there's it's gonna be a lot of fun stuff to watch. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we before we let you go? Uh yeah, I mean uh NBA Big Board, the newsletter. Um again, like the article that I wrote from August last year, that's probably one of my favorite pieces where I just talked about mm-hmm. The, the, the young kids in Dallas. And here's something that I, I didn't realize until a few weeks ago. I, I interviewed Keontae George and, and we did articles on NBA Big Board. And he mentioned to me that on his team for pro skills, if you're in the Dallas area, you may follow youth basketball. Dariq Whitehead was on his team. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Dariq, I know Dariq has a brother that played in the NFL. I don't know if his brother was playing for the Cowboys, but yeah, it was like Keontae George and Dariq Whitehead on one team, Casey Wallace on another team. I think someone told me in one of my videos there was Anthony Black was in the video. Um, so all these guys, I have footage of them when they were like in fourth grade. And from what I'm hearing, and I don't, I mean, it has huge shoes to fill, still a ways to go. But I'm hearing that this 2026 class in Dallas is supposed to be just as as good. Cannot wait. I just, I, one of the guys that works at my gym is an AAU coach and he's been telling me, he's like, you need to go to this high school's game. You need to be just, he's like, go look at their calendars and try to find a place to go. Cause there's just so many good prospects in the area. And for those of you who are listening, we do have a fair number of Slovenian followers who are probably like, what am I listening to here? It, it's, I, I just can't, you know, we, I watch so much NBA and NBA's it's a different sport to a degree, but high school basketball it, it, with the right teams is just so wonderful. It's short. They play hard. The guys who are good stand out in a mm-hmm. real way. Like I've been – Dallas has, for everybody who's listening, so 6A and 5A classifications. Some of these 6A schools, like Allen, has 7,000 students. So you go see some of these places play, and it's you're almost looking at like a small college with like the kind of yeah. talent. Like I, I laugh because my, my little boy is like, I want to play basketball. I'm like – we're going to do basketball and some academic stuff because <laughs> I, it's going to be a, it's a different time than when I was playing 5A basketball in the late 90s. Um, well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and talk with us and also tell some of these stories. I am now probably going to get overly invested in Bilal, which is uh, not great for my health, but that's okay. Um, yeah, this has been great. So this has been I, I uh, one thing I wanted to add. Please. And so, um, Talk about Dallas basketball and, and someone that has kind of been involved and in following these kids for years. Did you know that Pascal Siakam went to high school in Louisville? Where? <laughs> yeah. What? Nobody knows this. What in the world? Where? Where did he go? It's called like um, 
something of God High School, um, God's Academy High School in Louisville. That sounds like it's it's like the old um, God. What what was the school shoot? He played for the Denver Nuggets, and he was like a rookie the same year as um, uh, Jokic. Gosh, and he was from the area, and he played at one of these kind of uh, high schools. Oh, Moutier. It's like, prime prep, but yeah, I um, yeah, I'm definitely familiar with prime prep. You know, that was Dion school. That was Dion school. I had no idea that Pascal Siakam went to high school in Louisville. You That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I see this here. This is really nuts. Man. And uh, what's the kid's name? Luke Cornette is like from Dallas too. Of course he is. Big old, big old Luke Cornette. He he that he looks like a Dallas there. <laughs> high school player. Yeah, yeah man. So it is, just shows you the talent that's coming out of Dallas. And his name is never mentioned. Liberty in Christian and Argyle. When Argyle was not even like a ten, like it's like for anybody, Argyle is like a booming suburb now, but 10 years yeah. ago, Argyle was like oh, you live there, that kind of place. Yeah. Oh, man, this is fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Mr. Barlow, thank you so much for spending the time. Guys, go check out all of his sites and his work. If you do me a favor and hit that like and subscribe button, I'll be back on Friday where we can talk more draft stuff. You guys can come up on stage here and talk with me and – we can have a good time and we can, you know, uh, hopefully be mad that this, uh, you know, that LeBron James is not coming to Dallas. I, I regret to tell everyone that. So everybody uh, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.